to read these very quickly. Psalms 95 and verse 2 says, Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving. Make a joyful noise unto Him with passion. If you go to Psalms 100, and I, I like this psalm. It's not a very long psalm, but I like all that it says. Psalms 100. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It's He that made us, made us and not we ourselves. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and His truth endureth to all generations. As I said a few Wednesdays ago, I'm 100% convinced that there is a commandment to be thankful. That it, it, it even though we like to think of worship being something that we give and it's, it's, it's you know, something that we bring to Him, I'd just like to remind you, I still believe it's a commandment to enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. And so it is our job, our duty, it should be our passion to thank Him. Some say there are two constants in life. I don't remember exactly who started the saying, but first saying is death and taxes. That, But in reality, life is this. Life has its ups and life has its downs. In fact, I told you that we're going to start a, or we started a series on God's gift to the church. And Lord willing, before the end of this year, you're going to hear a message uh, by my dad. I'm just kind of making, I'm, I'm making sure you do it. We talked about it now, I'm making sure he does it. I'm, everybody knows about it now. But I'm going to talk to you about the, the gift of seasons. Seasons come and go in our lives. There's, there's times that you're on the mountaintops. There's times that you walk through the valley. There's times that it seems like it rains, and there's times that it's sunnies. Uh, it, it's the good times, it's the bad times. Or, as the Bible might say, it's the pleasure and it's the tribulations. We don't like the tribulation part. I'm not talking about end-time tribulation. We don't like the, the hard part. In fact, I've read this before, but there, there was, uh, in, in the Bridger Wilderness area, uh, I guess at the ranger station, there's a place where you can put um, suggestions. And people begin to put suggestions in there like the trails need to be wider so people can walk while holding hands. One person said the trails need to be redesigned. Please avoid building trails that go uphill. Another one said, there's too many bugs and leeches and spiders and spider webs. Please spray the wilderness to get rid of these pests. Uh, another one said, the coyotes made too much noise last night and kept me awake. Please eradicate those annoying animals. Some of you would like that job. You'd be like, I, I got that. Uh, another one said, a small deer came into my camp and stole my jar of pickles. Is there a way that I can get reimbursed? Uh, another one, and I'm, I'm sure some of these are tongue-in-cheek, tongue somebody being crazy, but somebody said, can you please install some escalators on those steep uphill sections? My favorite is, the places where the trails do not exist are not well marked. Let's think about that for a moment. The places where trails do not exist are not well marked. And then the last one was, there's too many rocks in the mountains. We don't like to struggle. We don't like 
to have to, to push through anything. We don't like to have to look at life and realize that on one side, it's good to be alive. There are pleasures. But on the other hand, there are tribulations. It's been a few years now, but I preached a series that came from Brother Raymond Woodward that really changed my understanding of life. And I, I titled it Life, The Game of Life. And we talk about trials and tribulations and temptations and, and, and what it is. And the easiest, most obvious example of this is the life of Job. Job would have been a contemporary to Abraham, even though the book of Job is, is later in the Old Testament. His time period, he would have lived very much during the time of Abraham. He was a patriarch. And you find the story of Job. Nobody, I, I've never really heard anybody say, I want to be like Job, or Lord bless me like Job. No one ever says that. Because in one day, he lost everything. In one day. He lost 7,000 sheep, 1,000 oxen, 500 donkeys, 3,000 camels, 7 sons, 3 daughters, a ranch house. He lost his health. At some point he lost friends. He lost servants. It was quite a blow. If I could put that in, in, in our vernacular... His bank account was drained, his 401k was drained, his house burned down, his cars burned down. Everything he had except just the fact that he was still alive and a wife that seemed to nag him a lot. That's all he had. You find it in Job chapter 1. But I find it very interesting because the, the way it starts is they're, they're, you know, things are happening and he's, he's thinking life is going good and a messenger comes and says, hey, the house just fell down and all your sons and daughters died. And then another one came as, as that one was uh, still speaking. Another one came and said, you know, your oxen were, were stolen. And, and then another one came, the fire of heaven fell and burned your sheep. And, and, and just over and over, bad news, bad news, bad news. And all of us have been in that place before. Where it seems like every time you turn around, more bad news. Seems like you can't catch a break. That's the words we use. But verse 20 of Job chapter 1 is for me one of the most poignant understandings of how you deal with the tragedies of life. He stood up. He tore his robe in grief. He shaved his head. Both of those are emotional things. I would never, ever attempt to preach or tell you that you shouldn't worry or, or be stressed or, you know, feel the emotions when things happen. That would be a, 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 a false statement. When life throws that curve, when the job is gone, when family members die, when, when, when the house isn't what you thought and, and, and all of those bad things pile up, it's absolutely okay to have the grief. It's absolutely okay to shave your head. And, I, and what I mean by that is he did that as a, as a form of grief. It was part of his mourning process. And we have to go through that. And he fell to the ground in worship. And this is what he said, and you've heard it many times. I came naked, I'm reading from the New Living Translation for this one. I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. And in all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. When, when the worst day imaginable came, 
Job went through the emotional roller coaster. Job went through the up and the down. But he made sure that after all of that, he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's an interesting conundrum we get to. How do you bless him for the trials? How do you bless him for the temptations? How do you lift up a hand and say, God, I love you? Allow me to tell you a story. It's probably a chicken soup for the soul story. Those of you that remember those books that came out. But Sandra felt as low in the heels of her Birkenstocks as she pushed against a November breeze at the florist shop door. Her life had been easy, but then in the fourth month of her second pregnancy, an automobile accident stole her ease. And it was during the Thanksgiving week that she would have delivered a son, but now she grieved over her loss. And if that wasn't enough, her husband's company threatened to transfer. And then her sister, whose holiday visited, she longed for, called and said she couldn't come. What's worse, Sandra had a friend that suggested that her grief was a God-given path to maturity that would allow her to empathize with others who suffered how in the world do you celebrate Thanksgiving? How, how can you be thankful? Thankful for what? Thankful for a, a careless driver whose truck was hardly scratched when he in, uh, rear-ended her or for an airbag that saved her life but took the life of her child? Lost in that thought, she approached the counter of that, that flower, florist shop and the clerk said, can I help you? Jenny said, sorry, I, I just need an arrangement. Well, what kind? Would you like a Thanksgiving arrangement? Do you want something beautiful? Or do you want something that's a, a little more ordinary? Or would you like what I like to do and challenge the day with the customer favorite that I call the Thanksgiving special? Jeannie saw that Sandra was curious, and so she said, I'm convinced that flowers tell stories and that each arrangement tells a particular feeling. And are you looking for something that conveys gratitude this Thanksgiving? Not exactly. And then she blurted out, see in the last five months, everything that could go wrong has. And then she kind of regretted that outburst. But Jenny, the florist said, oh, I've got the perfect arrangement for you. And she was about to turn away when the small bell on the door suddenly rang. In walked another lady. Hi, Barbara, the florist clerk said. She quickly excused herself from Sandra, walked back to the back room, came out carrying a massive arrangement of greenery and bows and long stem thorny roses. Only the ends of the roses had been snipped. There were no flowers, just stems and thorns. Do you want it in a box, Barbara? Sandra watched. Was it a joke? She was looking for someone to notice the absence of the flowers atop the thorny stems, but neither woman did. Barbara smiled and said, it's perfect. It's perfect. You think after three years of getting this every year, I wouldn't be so moved by its significance, but thank you, my family will love this one. And she turned and walked out of the door, and Sandra, her mouth is open, and she stuttered and stammered. She could not believe such a normal conversation would be about that strange, flowerless arrangement. That, 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 that lady just left with the, yeah. It had no flowers. I cut them all off. Yeah, that's the special, I call it the Thanksgiving thorn bouquet. And people pay for it? Do you really want to know? And Sandra said, well, yeah, I really would like to know. And so Jenny said, well, see, Barbara came into the shop three years ago feeling much like you. 
little to be thankful for. She had lost her father to cancer. The family business was failing. Her son was into drugs, and she faced major surgery. And at that same time, I had lost my husband, Jenny said. I had assumed complete responsibility for the shop, and for the first time spent the holidays alone. No children, no family, no husband nearby. Too great a debt to allow any travel. And Jenny said, well, what did you do? And the response said, I learned to be thankful for the thorns. The thorns? You see, Sandra, I'm a Christian, and I've learned to thank God for the good things in my life. But I'd never thought to ask him why the good things happen. But when bad things happened, I always asked him why. And you know, the Bible says that God comforts us when we're afflicted and from our consolation we learn to comfort others. And Sandra was taken aback. That was the exact same verse that someone had given her and she didn't want to accept it. And she said, I was furious when my friend said that. The truth is, I don't want comfort. I've lost a baby. I'm angry with God. And she started to ask Jenny to go on and the bell on the door rang again. In walked a man. Hi, Phil, Jenny shouted. I'm here for my 12 thorny long stem stems. I figured as much. I got them ready, she said, and she lifted a tissue-wrapped arrangement from the refrigerated cabinet. Beautiful, Phil said. My wife will love them. Sandra said, for your wife? Then she said, do you mind me asking why thorns? He said, well, I'm glad you asked four years ago. My wife and I were nearly divorced. After 40 years of marriage, we were in a real mess. We slogged through problem by rotten problem by rotten problem. Somewhere in the middle, we rescued our marriage and our love. And last year at Thanksgiving, I stopped in here and was going to get flowers. And I must have mentioned surviving a long process because Jenny told me that for a long time she's kept a vase of rose thorn stems as a reminder of what she's learned from the thorny times. They were good enough for me, so I bought them, took them home, and my wife and I began to label each one of those stems for a specific thorny situation and gave thanks for what that problem taught us. It's become a tradition. In fact, I highly recommend the special. Sandra looked and she said, I just don't know if I can be thankful for the thorns in my life. Sandra looked at her and said, it's my experience that it's the thorns that make roses much more precious. In fact, we treasure God's provincial care during trouble more than at any other time. And so Sandra thought long and hard about it, and she said, I'll take 12 long stem stems. Jenny said, the first one's on me. You don't have to pay, but I'm going to attach a card. It's a prayer that you need to learn, and this is the prayer. God, I've never once thanked you for my thorns. I've thanked you a thousand times for my roses, but never once for my thorns. Teach me the glory of the cross I bear. Teach me the value of my thorns. Teach me to or or show me that I have climbed to thee by the path of pain. Show me that my tears have made my rainbow. A prayer by George Matheson. Jenny said, Happy Thanksgiving, Sandra, and handed her the special. Sandra smiled, she turned and opened the door and walked toward hope. Thankful for the thorns. The story is interesting, but you could could attach it very quickly to a song that you and I sing quite often. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, where the streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name, and I could go run around the church on that. 
I like it when I, I've been in a tight spot and I open up the glove compartment and out drops a $100 bill that my mama said she didn't put in there, but I don't know who else would be that nice to me. But I was in a tight spot, didn't know what I was going to do, had no idea I was going to pay. Open up the glove box, out drops a $100 bill. God's provided for me time and time again, and I could bless. But what about the times he didn't? What about the times that I didn't have the $100 bill fall out? Well, blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place. Though I walk through the wilderness, blessed be your name. And then this, this kind of tag that the verse goes, every blessing... You pour out, I'll turn back to praise. But when the darkness closes in, still I will say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. See, it's hard though to take what the Bible says and then put ourselves in the situations that we're in and put them together. I've, I've had moments where I've quoted scripture to someone in the midst of a storm but it just doesn't seem to to fit and here's what people say but you don't know my situation and they'll say things like that's hollow that that Bible verse just doesn't apply to me but if I could tell someone right now that the greatest thing we have in life is God's word And if we're going to shout and scream and dance and rejoice that God's word never changes and that we're so thankful that his word is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword and divides us under the joints and the marrow, then we've also got to be big enough to say that when God talks about the thorny places in my life and when God talks about the desert places in my life, his word is still true. Things like... You know, we'll, we'll, you've heard it quoted in your life or maybe you've quoted it to help someone that's going through a struggle. You're the children of your Father which is in heaven. Matthew chapter 5 verse 45. He maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust to explain that life happens sometimes. And, but we find ourselves questioning God. I've, I've mentioned some of this before and and to be honest, as, as I continue as a minister and walk through pastoring, I've got more of these stories than I care to give. But I am a absolutely 100% positive person most of the time. Now you can ask my wife. I, 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 am the, the, I always root for the underdog. I don't ever see bad in anyone. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't, if someone, if you look at me cross-eyed, I don't carry a grudge. I I don't carry any grudges at all. And I, I have other problems in my life, so I'm not saying I'm perfect. But in this, I can tell you, I don't hold grudges. You could, you could just about curse me up and down one side and the other, and tomorrow I might even smile at you and ask you how you're doing. Life is pretty good when you have that type of a, positive, optimistic, uh, uh, you know, view of life. But every once in a while, you can't make the optimism work anymore. And I remember vividly as a, as a, 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 a I don't know, probably 22-year-old youth pastor, the heart-wrenching months that I spent with the family of a little girl named Allison Young. She was a three-year-old girl, the niece of family friends of ours in Toledo. And she had been diagnosed with a brain tumor that after three years would, would end up 
taking her life, or two years would take her life. And they had called me. They didn't have a church, and they had that connection with this family. And so I, I went, and it was really one of the first times that I'd ever truly gone and done a, a real hospital ministry. Went to somebody I didn't know, and we prayed with this family that didn't go to church, and we watched as God would perform some miracles. But then the day came that they had to take her off life support. Up until that day, I had never seen a death or a dead body other than it was in a casket. I gathered in the room of that little girl, stood behind her mom and her dad who were the same age as me. I had Zane who was three years old at that time and I watched as the nurses began to remove the wires and remove the tubes and watched as that little girl passed on. And I remember vividly calling my dad and asking, how do you deal with that? How do you deal when, when God doesn't seem to answer the prayer, fighting and wrestling with that. And then they said, we want you to preach a sermon. It's because, and I've used it from, from, from many sermons on, I've, I've preached it here a couple times over the last 10 years. That's when the Lord's Psalm, Psalms 23, and I'm not going to re-preach it, but that's when Psalms 23 began to be more than just a psalm I learned in Bible quizzing or at Sunday school. Because you have to understand that Thorny places happen. But I will say this, even I'm not ashamed to, to repeat it, but I'll, let, me, let me just rem remind you, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And I don't know how many times I've said it to myself and how many times I've said it to those in a trial, but I'm convinced that that, that is not just a, a useless, or, or you know, they didn't just throw these pronouns around haphazardly. But it was interesting, in the middle of David's, if you will, worst trial of his life, when I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, the pronoun changed. And everything else, it was the Lord or he but when David began to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it suddenly became you. There was a closeness. There was a personal nature of that. When you're walking in the shadow of the darkest hour you've ever faced, God is right there. And sometimes that's all you need. Thankful for the thorns. I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but it kept mulling over my mind, and so I'm going to mention it again. The devil says he'll give you pleasures of sin for a season. But the understanding is you'll have tribulation for a lifetime. Or you can allow your life to go through the ups and the downs or the tribulations for the seasons that God may appoint for your lives. But in doing so, you'll have pleasure or glory for a lifetime. It comes from Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 24. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. It's what Paul said in Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, Therefore being justified by faith, 
We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not so only we rejoice or we glory in tribulation knowing that tribulation works patience and patience experience and experience hope. Now I've used that, that, that progression But it was just in the last couple of weeks, even as we walked over this Thanksgiving holiday, that the word hope begins to jump out. What a word, hope. I have tribulation. It works patience within me. It gives me experience. I've walked down a road I didn't want to walk through, but now I've walked through it. But in doing so, the end result is hope. Instantly, my mind is taken. To the book of Hebrews, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. That you and I, walking with God and able to have a relationship with God, you have something that not a lot of people are able to grab hold of, and that is your hope is not just a pipe dream. Your hope is not just, I think it might happen, it probably won't, but instead your hope is directly tied to the faith you have in Jesus Christ. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Where Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, blessed be God. In verse 4, he goes on to say, who comforted us in all our tribulations that we might be able to comfort them who are in trouble by the comfort we ourselves are comforted of God. We learn, or we have to learn, to thank Him in the trials. Now, I've noticed, I'm well aware. It's Wednesday night. Typically on Wednesday night, I don't get anybody dancing or running the aisles, but you ought to be up here and be preaching and just watch out to blank faces because it's not a sermon. You, you just go, preach it, brother. Instead, what you're wanting to say, stop preaching, brother. <laughs> Let's get off this subject. Let's, why do this? Why preach? Be thankful for the thorns. Why do we have to learn to be thankful in the trials? For those of you that have been blessed to travel where the mountains are, and I've been able to travel almost every mountain range here in the United States, whether it be the Smokies, whether it be the Ozarks, or when you get into the Rockies, that's a whole other ballgame altogether. There's some incredible scenic vistas that begin to unfold when you get on top of the mountain. There's no sights like it. You can't, you, you can't really duplicate the beauty of a mountaintop. It's, it's the most incredible thing when you can see for miles and you see all of that. But the truth is, on mountaintops, not much grows. It's an awesome place to be, but there is no growth. If you want things to grow, you've got to walk through the valley. So why... Might some of our trials be happening? Well, one thing to be thankful for is God's helping you grow. Now listen very carefully. I'm not suggesting, I'm not even preaching that God says, I'm going to give you a tough time so you'll grow. That's not how God works. But rather through the pains of life and through the certainties of life, God is with you, never leaving your side, always teaching you 
about grace. That way you learn to thank Him for the bad times. Hard pill to swallow? Absolutely. But well worth it. David said in, in, in Psalms chapter 34, again, I, I, what, I'm, what I'm wanting to do is show you verses that we like to quote. And if I would say, let, let's, let's give a praise, let, let's do another testimony service, let's give another praise service. These are verses that become very easy for us to use. But again, you have to realize that God's word doesn't change just because of the circumstance you're in. God's word, uh, while it may be illuminated differently, it doesn't change. And, and Psalms 34, I love what it says. I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. And, 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 and that's an awesome verse to open up a Sunday night service. I mean, you won't get things cranking and moving, then, then, then just, just get up there. I'll bless the Lord at all times and people start lifting hands. But I want to fixate not on the blessing the Lord, but at the all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. So let's put this in perspective. On Sunday night, when everything is about to take off and the music is right and the worship is right and the expectation of a house that loves God and filled with His Spirit begins to worship, oh, it's easy to bless the Lord. And it's easy during that Sunday night service for His praise to be continually in my mouth. It's easy to let your soul boast in the Lord. But what happens when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death? The Bible says... I'll bless the Lord at all times. You give, you take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. This is when the Bible begins to come alive. This is when the word of God, this will, this will make sure you're really following the word of God or not. I remember in the darkest times of my life, Life when, 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 when we have lost our own children in, in miscarriages and I remember being in the hospital the first time and, and, and taking a moment to steal away and I've mentioned this before but I remember just, just kind of closing my eyes in a dark place that I found in the hospital to hide away and, and I said very clearly out loud I said I hate this day and instantly a voice, whether audible or not, I don't know. But instantly that voice, all it did was read the Bible to me. But this is the day the Lord hath made. And I will rejoice and be glad in it. And then there was this little follow-up that, that just began to be seared across my brain. He said, you don't get to choose the days you rejoice. You know, we, we, we like to tell people, you don't get to choose the way you're baptized. You've got to follow the way the Bible says we baptize. You can't just go do it any old way under any old name. You know, the Bible says there's only one name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. And we like to, you, you, you can't choose your verses, but I'm here today to tell you you can't choose these verses either. I will bless the Lord at all times. Or Psalms 42. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so panteth my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for the living God. 
Again, it's it probably a pretty good, good verse to open up a service. I'm passionate about the things of God. I hunger for the things of God. I love the things of God. But have you ever read farther in that? That panting, and it's not necessarily because he's passionate. It's because he's desperate. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. And they say to me all the day long, where is your God? David must have been walking through a pretty bad trial for those around him to say, well, where's that God you love to worship? I watched you run around the church on Sunday night and, and, and worship that God, but where is he now in this struggle? Where is he? What are you going to do about it? And then David says, these things I remember as I pour out my soul. I remember how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and shouts of praise and a multitude-keeping festival. And David is, he's literally kind of having this conversation within himself and he's saying, "I, I, I know I used to shout and I used to love God, but it's really hard to do that in the midst of this trial. David kind of you ever you ever punched your own self because you're trying to get your own self's attention it's about what David did David thumps himself and he says hey why are you cast down oh my soul why are you depressed why are you in turmoil within me soul what's going on here's that word again he says hope in God for I shall again praise him my salvation he goes on a little bit later in that Psalms 42 and verse 11 after they've said again where is your God his adversaries are taunting him and again he shakes himself and he says why are you cast down oh my soul why are you in turmoil against me you've still got hope hope in God oh my soul Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise in my salvation and my God. In Psalm 71 and verse 14, I will hope continually and I will praise you yet more and more. It's Psalms 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Somebody listen to me. You may not shout right now, but I want you to catch what the Word of God is saying. All that is within you, bless His holy name. All of the good times, bless His name. All of the struggles, bless His name. All of the good days, bless His name. All of the bad days, bless His name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Don't forget his benefits. The one who forgives all your iniquity and heals all your diseases and redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with steadfast love and mercy and satisfies you with good so your youth is renewed like eagles. It's what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Two simple words. Rejoice always. Again, I'm, I'm trying to show you the other side of this. Rejoice always. Even when the storm comes. We love the story of Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas, in fact, I'm going to invite you to stand with me tonight. The, the, here's Paul and Silas. and they, they, They've gone down there. They've, they've 
ministered to Lydia and Lydia's now uh, converted and a lot of her family's converted. There's some, some revival happening in that city and that old devil starts messing and there's a, a, a possessed girl that's being used by some guys, men to tell fortunes and that's how they make their money. And, and she's she, she says the right thing but it's in the wrong attitude and the wrong spirit. There's a lot of stuff going on. And, and, and finally Paul and Silas have enough and they turn around and they say we rebuke that spirit come out and the power of God moves and that girl is delivered and they throw Paul and Silas in prison and at midnight Paul and Silas begin to sing praises and the prison doors were shaken and the prison doors were opened and, and, and they were delivered and man we love to preach that but the problem is we tend to jump over the prison and because hindsight's 2020, we put all of our focus on the deliverance. But the truth be known, they praised in prison. I'm not adding to the Bible, but I know how the Bible goes. And, and the Bible is not suggesting nor saying that every time you praise, every prison door is open. But what it's saying is, even if the prison door never opened, blessed be the name of the Lord. Because for every prison door that God opened for Peter and every prison door that God opened for Paul, there's a, there, there, there's a, a young man by the name of Stephen who's kneeling down in the middle of a busy street with stones bouncing off his forehead. And he's not going to get that deliverance. And the stones aren't going to stop coming. But he's got his eyes lifted up to heaven saying, Blessed be the name of the Lord. And if that's the way God chooses to take, he said, I'll praise him in the storm, through the storm, and at the end of the storm. I'm thankful for the thorns in my life. And so I'm asking you today, as we close out this November, and we we, we, we kind of end, not, again, I don't, I don't want to end Thanksgiving because it needs to happen every year, but this is that moment that it just, it's in our hearts, it's in our minds. Got to learn to be thankful for the thorns. First off, because you've got a God that walks with you. You've got a God whose consolation is right beside you. You've got a God who is able to deliver you. But if not, O oh king, I know you're about to throw me in the fiery furnace. But if not, O oh king, if for whatever reason in the midst of this trial and temptation and struggle, you, God chooses not to deliver me, I will not be careful to answer you. I know I'm paraphrasing and taking it out a little bit, but you get where I'm coming from. I'll still praise Him. I'll still praise Him. I'll still praise Him. I want someone to hear me. Your trial does not give you a right to quit lifting your hands. Your storm does not give you a right to, to just question God and, and walk away from Him. Instead, that ought to be the time you do it. Rejoice in all things. And again, I say rejoice. Would you lift your hands across this building? I know I've spoken to you. I know the Word of God is here because God began to deal with me uh, uh, over the last week or so. And then today I felt it strong. God knows where it's going. He knows what you're going through. 
and you've been asking, Lord, how do I handle it and what do I do? And I've just began to read and preach the word of God as he gave it to me. Sometimes we're just thankful for the thorns. We don't understand it. We cannot comprehend it. But we say, God, blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. In the land that's plentiful, blessed be your name. In the land that's bountiful, bless your name.